Hi, I'm Tess Viglund, and as we work, the future workforce is having some second thoughts about higher education. The only reason I'd go back is to finish and to say that I graduated college. But in the end, like, that's not really something that matters to me because that's not something I want to end up doing. I'm not huge on wanting a career. This is As We Work from The Wall Street Journal, a show about the changing workplace and everything you need to know to navigate it. The college degree has been touted for generations as a way to get a head start on a successful career. So why is college enrollment down? More college-age Americans are deciding either to leave school before graduation or to not go in the first place. Some cite the hot job market as a reason to at least postpone the pursuit of a degree. But what happens when that market cools off? And what happens to the individual and to society when college recedes as a priority? That's coming up. This episode is brought to you by Charles Schwab. Decisions made in Washington can affect your portfolio every day. Washington Wise from Charles Schwab is an original podcast that unpacks the stories making news there. Listen at schwab.com slash Washington Wise. According to the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center, college enrollment here in the U.S. fell by 4.1% this spring compared to spring of 2021. That might not seem like a lot, but it equals 685,000 students. The biggest share of the drop came from public colleges and universities, particularly community colleges. Look back even further to the spring of 2020, and enrollment is now down by 7.4%, or 1.3 million students. The pandemic, of course, is at play here. Some students left to be with and care for family members. Others tapped out because of remote learning. And the hot job market of the last 18 months or so lured some away from paying for education and toward earning money. In a few minutes, we'll talk with someone who studies what happens to both individual students and the economy and society as a whole when a college education is either set aside or never pursued in the first place. First, we hear from one of those students who went to school but then left with only a few months to go before she would have heard the opening notes of Pomp and Circumstance. My name is Kaya Peschel. I'm uh, 22 years old. I currently live in Memphis, Tennessee. I went to Texas Lutheran University in Seguin, Texas to study music education. Um, I ended up dropping out of college the semester before um, student teaching and graduation. So that would have been in September of 2020. When COVID happened, I was in my second semester of my junior year and we went to online learning. And the online learning was not structured in a way that worked for me and worked for my style of learning. I found myself falling behind and that never happened before. Um, I've always been like a straight A student. I've always been really good about school and I noticed myself falling behind in a lot of my classes. So realistically, I only had one semester of actual instruction left. 
And um, I, I thought about it and I was like, I could get it done. Um, but at that time, I was so behind in almost everything and I was so burnt out and I just had, um, you know, a, a general... No, I wouldn't say hatred for it, but it was just like I dreaded going to school. Like, it just... I didn't see myself being able to finish. I would have never seen myself be the person to drop out of college at all. Um, my mom always said, like, it doesn't really matter if they ask for a relevant experience or a bachelor's degree. Like, the worst they can say is no, and then you're back in the same place you were before. So if I'd find a job that I was interested in and I felt like I would be, like, okay in, I would apply for it. So right now, um, I would be the, the main income provider for a household because um, the reason we moved to, to Memphis is so that my wife can pursue her doctorate degree so that she can eventually teach at the college level. So I'm just waiting for now. I have two interviews set up. Um, when it came to applying for this round, I felt much more prepared um, but there were still jobs that were like, must have bachelor's degree. And I was like, well, I almost had it. Does that count? <laughs> so I would still apply for it. Honestly, I'm not too worried. Um, I usually don't worry just in general because I just, I'm, I'm not a worrier. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I have enough experience. I have a good resume at this point. I don't see the need to go back. Um, when I think about it, I'm like, the only reason I'd go back is to finish and to say that I graduated college. But in the end, like, that's not really something that matters to me because that's not something I want to end up doing. I'm not huge on wanting a career. Kaya Peschel talking about her decision to leave college early for the working world. Coming up, we're going to hear why more students are making this choice to forego a degree in favor of a job. And the impact of that decision is not just on the student and their long-term career prospects, but also potentially on employers and on society. Stay with us. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. So you heard Kaya say at the end there that the actual college degree, that piece of paper, that ceremony, that transcript, doesn't matter to her. She completed six semesters of higher education, and she's confident that's going to be enough for what she wants to do and how she wants to live her life. But what do we know about how this kind of decision affects students more broadly? And how different are those decisions today, especially post-pandemic, than they were before the onset of a global event that upended pretty much everything. 
Talani Britton is a professor at the School of Education at UC Berkeley. She specializes in the economics of higher ed, as well as the transition from high school to college. So let's talk about what this recent drop in enrollment means, both for students' careers and for the companies down the line that would potentially hire them. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So college enrollment is down by uh, more than 1.3 million students, uh, according to the National Student Clearinghouse Research Center. Uh, The number fell last year, and then it fell even more this year. Why are young people dropping out or opting out of college more right now? Yeah, I think that's a really great question, um, Tess. In terms of students who are choosing or opting not to enroll in college, it's pretty clear that job opportunities, and not just job opportunities, um, but also the current wages that are being offered are very attractive for potential college students. I do think the costs of college, and we think about the costs, we're not simply thinking about costs such as tuition, we're also thinking of the opportunity cost, which is giving up those wages, is certainly another factor that might push students towards not enrolling in college and uh, taking a job directly out of high school. So basically, they think they can just make as much money as without the degree? So I don't know that um, that students or young people, right, who are opting not to enroll in college are thinking about it as a long-term decision. I think they're thinking about it in many ways as a short-term decision, that I will opt to work now and potentially later I will enroll in college. Um, the other sort of important factor is for many young persons, particularly those who might be from working class families or have family situations in which they're helping uh, the family fiscally, it may not seem really like a choice. It, it may seem that the only good option is to get a job and to help your family. And so what about the people who are dropping out? Why are they doing that? Same reasons? I would say some of the reasons might be the same. Potentially, the cost of college might be more salient, particularly given that they've already sort of started paying for college. It could be that the cost of not just tuition, but, you know, fees, books, transportation might feel prohibitive, particularly given the sort of current economic context. And so their reasons may be more driven, not as much by the job opportunities, but more so by the costs of college. Talani, are there reasons other than money that people are dropping out? Absolutely. So it's not simply a a question of costs. The mental health of students is absolutely um, a pressing concern. As a college professor, I certainly see it with my own students. There is a tremendous amount of stress in young people's lives, uh, sort of generally. And the COVID context with families, you know, and illnesses there has certainly made it much worse. So I see a lot of young people in crisis. And so that is absolutely a contributing factor to students stopping out or taking time off of college. Stopping out. That, that's an interesting term. I don't think I've heard that before. It, it, sound, it sounds better. It sounds, I don't know, less judgmental than dropping out for some reason, like you're just taking a pause maybe? Well, I, I think that's it. I think the, the thought is really that if students are stopped out, that they may return one. But also, uh, I think there, in some ways there's almost incentive to try to get them to return. Are there certain sectors of the higher ed system where we're seeing more dropping out or opting out? Absolutely. Um, I think community colleges have been particularly hard hit, which makes a lot of sense given that many students who are attending community colleges come from working class families. Many of them are parents as well as being students. And so they have many more sort of uh, demands on them. Does that have broader implications, uh, you know, that that we are seeing this 
more in uh, community and public colleges? Absolutely. Um, when we think about the students who are enrolling in community colleges in particular, it tends to be, once again, students from working class families, students of color, Black, Latinx students. And so one of the implications is absolutely about equity and, you know, who will ultimately in some ways not only get that college degree, but the benefits that um, come with the college degree in terms of a higher likelihood of employment, in terms of higher lifetime earnings, better maternal health. There are this whole range of benefits. And if those benefits are not accruing to students who are currently underrepresented in higher education, that absolutely has long-term impacts, not only in the student, their family, but also in society. You know, we've all heard practically since birth, you know, that college is an investment in your future, right? Can you give us some numbers on this? How big a difference does it actually make? Yeah. So, for example, um, looking at some of the numbers from the Social Security Administration, men with bachelor's degrees earn approximately 900000 more in median lifetime earnings when compared to high school graduates. And we're looking with women with bachelor's degree, for example, at 630000 more. So clearly going to college does make a significant difference in your ability to earn over time. Absolutely. And those were just median earnings, right? So I think one of the things that's important to think about if we're thinking about over a lifetime is the intergenerational impact of having parents or a parent who is earning that much more and what that affords for the family. The other thing to think about is one of the most important predictors of children's education levels are the education levels of the parents and in particular the mother. Are the outcomes different for people who drop out of college versus those who don't ever go in the first place? Yes. So for every additional year of college that you attend or every additional year of education that you get, there is an increase in your earnings. However, we also know the importance of the sheepskin effect, which is the bump in salary that you would get and, and also the availability of jobs. When you have a diploma. Exactly. Hmm. How does the calculus change for people who decide to go back later on? Uh, it, and does it make a difference whether you go back within a year, five years, 10? Well, it absolutely does make a difference how long it will take you to re-enroll, right? If we're thinking about median lifetime earnings or even average lifetime earnings, then the longer it takes before you get that diploma, then those are the earnings premiums that you would not necessarily be getting. The other piece to think about is that your likelihood of returning definitely changes over time. It is more likely that you will re-enroll if you sort of come within one semester or within one year. And then afterwards, the likelihood of returning uh, declines. And um, according to sort of uh, National Student Clearinghouse data, about 13% of students who stop out return within five years. So it's probably important to note from a numbers perspective that many students who leave don't necessarily return. You know, Talani, uh, it seems like we think of the economic consequences of this first and foremost, right? Mm. What are some of the consequences we're not thinking about for those who are either not going to school or dropping out? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, you know, some of the research around college does look at the the benefits that are not necessarily fiscal. For example, people with college degrees are more likely to participate in the, you know, sort of democratic process. They tend to have better maternal health, lower infant mortality. Um, there are health benefits to getting college degree. And, you know, I want to be clear that I'm not saying that, you know, people are 
have better health because they got this college degree, but there's certainly an association between completing that degree um, and health outcomes. And, you know, one reason could be, for example, that you have access to jobs that provide health insurance. Um, so there are a number of reasons that could be the case, but there is certainly an association between um, sort of better health for individuals, better health for children and lower likelihood of dying, uh, greater civic participation. The labor market, as we have all heard, is, is hot right now, even even with inflation, even with a potential recession on the horizon. It seems there are more job listings that will cite, you know, a bachelor's degree or relevant experience. Is there more room now for those without a degree? That's an interesting question. Um, in some ways, I have a, a follow-up question to that, which is, that is currently what the listings are saying, but what will they say in two years, three years, or five years from now? Good follow-up question. <laughs> um, part of what we've seen is that jobs, for example, in the 1970s that required a high school degree now ask for a bachelor's degree. And so, yes, today in this um, labor market, as you said, this hot labor market, employers are willing to be flexible. However, that may not last forever. I did, though, see uh, a projection by the Bureau of Labor Statistics that in the next decade, around 60 percent of the economy's new jobs will be in occupations that do not typically require a degree beyond high school. Is there a risk that we're telling people to get degrees when maybe they don't actually need them? Hmm. When we think about degrees, I do think that we've focused a lot for many good reasons on the fiscal benefits, right? But if we're also saying that it has health benefits and benefits with respect to civic participation and benefits with respect to the education level of children, on the one hand, yes, the job may not require that degree, but what might that degree mean for uh, the individual and for their family? Why do you think this current drop is significant Historically, I, I know that, you know, in the years uh, between what, 1970 and, and 2010, the number of undergraduates nearly tripled. Mm -hmm. And now we're seeing a bit of a slide back on that. What is the significance here? So it is the case that cohorts have been getting smaller. Part of what we've seen in the decline in the number of students enrolled is likely related to demographic change. And in addition to that, we also have seen a decline in the likelihood of enrolling for students who could potentially be enrolled in college. Um, and once again, the implications of these trends are, it could be that we end up with a populace that is less likely to enroll in college, less likely to earn a degree, and in, in many ways not necessarily derive some of the benefits of earning those degrees. And that has implications both for individuals, but also from a societal perspective. We're thinking about uh, healthcare costs, we're thinking about tax revenues, we're thinking about civic participation. Talani Britton, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having me. One thing all workers have in common, regardless of whether we went to college, is that none of us is immune from the dreaded pink slip. More and more companies are announcing layoffs as they anticipate the possibility of an economic downturn. But instead of the quiet, private shame that previous generations by and large expressed, Today's laid-off workers are going loud and proud on social media to announce their new availability to work. We'll get some do's and don'ts for those announcements. Stay with us. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. 
Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And finally, our pro tip today, some advice on how a little transparency could help you rebound after being involuntarily let go from a job. Far from keeping things secret out of a sense of shame, the key might be some forthright sharing to help land that next gig. Ray Smith of our Life and Work team is back. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Layoffs don't seem to be carrying the kind of uh, self-stigma that they used to. People are going out on social media saying, hey, this happened. I'd love your help and your eyeballs, right? Yes, they're going on LinkedIn or Twitter, and they're basically making layoff announcements. They're posting about their experience in the hopes that their followers will reach out and maybe even have job leads or, in some cases, job openings they're aware of. Um, And just to have some support, basically, people who will, in their network, who will basically look out for them or help them, you know, land a new job. So how are people going about this? Is it an explicit plea for a new job or something a little more nuanced? You know, it really depends on on an individual and how comfortable they feel being direct. And sometimes they'll be more direct on Twitter, where it's a little less formal than a professional networking site like LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I literally talked with one woman who basically put HMU in her post about looking for a new job, and HMU is shorthand for hit me up. You probably wouldn't do that on LinkedIn, but that was that was the way she spoke on Twitter, and huh. she was very direct about what she wanted, was very specific about what she was looking for. It wasn't just like, I'm, I'm unemployed, I'm looking for any job. HMU, I'm going to have to remember that. Hit me up. <laughs> What about emotion? How Kind of how personal do you want to get with a post about your layoff? You do have to walk a fine line. I talked with one young man who literally like was very angry when he was laid off and sad, but he took three days, like the whole weekend, before posting about it because he was just that emotional and he really needed to like calm down. Um, so that's one point of advice to so really just like not immediately go to social media and start, you know, venting and posting about your layoff because you will be super emotional and you might that might backfire. So when you see a trend come along like this, um, clearly the only way that happens is if there are success stories that come out of it. Absolutely. And in some cases, this leads to actual jobs. In a lot of cases, it's people who are offering to help. But in some cases, it really does lead to a job. Sometimes even the indirect way of just talking about this experience, especially right now, as a lot of people are going through it, um, can elicit um, people who feel for you and want to hire you. All right, Ray Smith, great advice here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Next time, you can rate restaurants, you can rate cars, you can rate social media posts, you can rate your workplace. Now add to that list internships. A growing number of websites are letting interns rate their experiences at the companies where they worked. But are companies listening? We'll explore how interns are taking back power in the workplace. 
And a reminder, we want to hear from you. You can email us at asweworkatwsj.com. Let us know your comments, concerns. Tell us your stories about work and careers. You can also find us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts. As We Work is a production of The Wall Street Journal. This episode was produced by Ariana Ozperu and Charlotte Gartenberg. Jonathan Sanders is our booking producer. Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Jessica Fenton is the emergency candy bar in the glove box and our sound engineer. Our music was composed by Hansdale Sue. Kateri Yoakum is The Wall Street Journal's executive producer of audio. I'm Tess Viglund. See you next time. This episode is brought to you by Vanta. Vanta's trust management platform helps you quickly assess risk, streamline security reviews, and automate compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001, and more. Learn how by watching Vanta's on-demand demo at vanta.com WSJ.